There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Spurs in full cry here. Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name's Windy, and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Hello, Windy. And our tactics guy, and the guy the opposition scouts listen to this podcast for, it's Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. No, they don't. No, they don't. This is the funniest bit of, like, uh, complimentary feedback that I always get is, like, whenever I'm like, here's a thing that our team are doing, people go, no, don't tell, don't tweet this. Opposition, they, they know. Like, they have much better analysts at their club than I am already doing that stuff. And then on the other end, right, the other end is I'll be like, hey, look at this interesting 22-year-old playing in League 2. And people will be like, oh, obviously our club are already aware of, like, good teenagers. from and like, no, they're not, actually. You've, got it, you've all got it completely the opposite way around to how it is. I'm, tactically, I'm saying nothing worthwhile. But when I point out players, that's, that's where the gap is. So Nathan's in a feisty mood today, turns out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that that uh, intro for Nathan was donated to me. Oh. So all that scorn no. now goes straight <laughs> towards uh, Juicy Sushi, who is a long-time listener oh. uh, and, and a lovely man who, who, who now no. you know, feels, feels terrible, Nathan. <laughs> <For fuck's sake>. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Juicy Sushi. Uh, guys, uh, we, we, we had a lovely, comfortable victory this weekend uh, let's delight let's revel in talking about our our thrashing of um eighth tier marine does it count as a thrashing if it's an eighth tier club and it's only five nil were they not thrashed they were definitely <laughs> or, thrashed or, or do, is it because they come away happy from the occasion do they not feel thrashed do we need to make them upset in order for it to count is that yeah i think so i think a proper thrashing would have been like stomping them into the ground like 10 nil mm. um their players are getting sent off because they can't cope with the the the, the quality of our players they're, they're late to every challenge they're hoarding them back in front of goal mm. that would have been like a proper old school thrashing released mm. from their plumbing apprenticeship based on their behavior at the weekends yes something like that okay. or or actually you know working in the track and trace system which one of them is doing very yeah. noble <laughs> It was um it wasn't as uncomfortable as I thought it was going to be at one stage. At one point I was just like, ooh. You know when you, you watch a you watch like um you watch a film and there's there's a scene and you're like, okay, oh no, 
no, cut away, cut away. I thought that was going to be it. When um, when uh, Vinicius got three goals in 10 minutes, I was just like, here we go. And <laughs> my dad pulled out of nowhere a story about Malcolm McDonald once scoring like nine goals against <laughs> Cyprus or something. I don't know where he pulled that stat, but I don't even know if it's true. I just couldn't be bothered to, to, to argue, so I just nodded along. So I, th- I thought maybe... I thought maybe Vinicius was going to hit nine goals at some point, but I'm I'm glad I'm glad he didn't. But I did find it strange how the pundits were talking about Tottenham are showing respect to Marine by giving him a good solid thrashing. I was just like, I think Marine would have preferred to have lost two nil, three nil rather than five, five, six, seven, eight, just to show that Spurs took them, took them seriously. I definitely think there is something in that though that they're taking them seriously and I you know I'm always the first to criticise so I will lavish some praise I, th- I thought Jose Mourinho got this absolutely mm. spot on I-, I thought the team selection was great I thought the players focus and motivation was really 100% there I really liked his uh, pre-match comments about Marine, very respectful and not kicking up a stink when they mentioned that uh, Liverpool had sent over some analysis <laughs> uh, like I could have imagined Mourinho being a bit difficult about that, but he was like, "No, this is normal. This is fine." Yeah, I, 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 mean, I thought it was all fine. It's like giving it an idiot the answers to an algebra test. How they can't? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Even if if it's someone who's no good at maths, if you give him the equations, they look at it. They still it still won't help them out the situation. So you could tell them, Delhi's going to do this, this, this. But if they're actually physically and mentally unable to do it, then then what's the point? Then that was just Liverpool just wasted their time. So I can understand why Mourinho was like, it doesn't matter. Because... Probably would have been set pieces, I reckon, and that's mm. where that's where there's a bit of that's where they can make it work. Rather than like you need to press them in the third phase of their <laughs> no, it's 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 here's here's how they defend set pieces, lump it over here kind of thing. I reckon. So we're going to talk about set pieces some more in a minute. Awesome. Um, let's talk <laughs> about the team first. Uh, I mean, it was a, it was a B team for sure. It was a B team. There was some, there were some first team players in the matchday squad. We also saw Harvey White making his first start for Spurs. Buddy, were you happy with the eleven that were selected? Um, yeah, I thought it was a little bit stronger than it than it perhaps would have been. I thought maybe Gazaniga would get a go. Um, I thought maybe Tanganga would start. Um, yeah, I was I was happy to see Delhi start, and I think Lucas needed some minutes because he's been pretty bad recently. So he needed to get some kind of form back into his legs, and it's always good when when Kane doesn't play. Even though even though you can imagine Kane at home just punching walls, thinking <laughs> he could have really stat padded at that game. He really could have done some big numbers. Massively, yeah, agreed. Um, Nathan, was it a surprise to you that Jedson got some minutes? Yes. <laughs> because it's like yeah it, throughout all of the rest of the team and all the rest of the squad and all of the substitutions they all make perfect sense to me because it's like okay either you are playing like a young slash fringe player who you want to develop you want to improve the confidence of you want to support or you're playing like a senior player who's going to babysit them and, and be there to play off them and all of that and then there's Jedson who is surely leaving very soon. Like, who are we playing him for? Was he there to help Deli Alley? <laughs> like, what? what's... I don't get it. I don't get it, man. Yeah, bit of a strange one, I thought. In it, Like, <laughs> it's kind of... It, it has, like, the kind of feel of a shop window, but it, we're not mm. the sellers, you know? It's like, it's like, maybe... It's like, maybe we're doing someone a favour. I think... I think it was a reward. I think it was like a... Before you go... Let's let's show our appreciation to Jedson and give him okay. one last match for Spurs. All right, yeah, but, I don't I don't mind that to be honest. But 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 if the idea of an award is a 
90 minutes against Marine in Crosby on a freezing cold day. Like, it doesn't feel like the best reward to me, but, you know, maybe he, maybe he got a match appearance fee. Maybe it's literally that. It's that mm. financial aspect. So um, that, that's my that's my logical take on, on Jetson playing. Um, I was annoyed about Jetson playing because it takes the place of a youth team player who is probably as good as Jetson and will be at the club for a bit longer in the same way that I was annoyed with the transfer signing of Jetson in the first place because he then takes minutes of a youth team player who'll be at the club for a bit longer. It made more sense when we when we signed him because Sissoko was out injured and Sun was out injured and Kane was out injured and everyone else. So, uh, <laughs> But the thing is that like then a pandemic stopped football and we didn't immediately mm. send him back. Um, so yeah, definitely, definitely. I'm really excited by Clark. I think there's a, a extremely specially talented young player there. And he did come on later in the game, and again, it is that sort of balance between like the young players and fringe players you want to develop, and the the more senior players to aid them in that. But I just don't think <laughs> Judson is, if at all, better. <laughs> so much better that that he should have started over Clark. Maybe it's a match fitness thing. Who knows? We are forgetting yeah, as well. No, our manager properly stat pad in debuts. So when he walks away from Tottenham, he can say, <laughs> "I gave I gave this many players their debut at Tottenham." How can you say I'm not good with youth? So respect to my manager for forgetting those numbers. <laughs> for fuck's sake! That really hadn't even occurred to me, but there could be something in that. Yeah, when Alfie Devine scores a goal for England or something at some point in the future, Jose will be. I I saw his talent. I I gave him his debut at Tottenham. I saw yet more. Oh. But you think, uh, apparently, according to the media, Josie Mourinho doesn't play youth players tweets after this mm. game. And it's just like, for fuck's sake, man. Like, first of all, it's Marine, <laughs> right? Okay. <laughs> Which is not a op- level of opposition he's he's come up against in his career many times. And second of all, like, it's inarguable that he definitely has a history of not developing youth players. Now, there is plenty of reasonable context around why that may not be. But, like, it's not like a conspiracy like that he's always bought older players and played older players and for most of his you know 20 Mm. years of senior management not brought through younger players if he's doing that now then that is worthy of praise i'm not saying that isn't the case but to pretend that it's a myth (laughs) that that is the case so far is is so silly to me so thinking about how the game went tactically this was i thought quite useful practice of what it's like to play a team who just has bodies behind the ball who packs out their uh, penalty area the pitch was i mean to put it generously the pitch was scruffy it was it was pretty shocking to be honest um weather and all that but the pitch was rubbish um and, and spurs did get some good practice of how to create against those kind of teams and for me to my mind we found our best solution at, at breaking down these teams at overcoming a packed defense at playing eye of the needle passes and that solution was delhi and I thought he was really, really terrific. And I, I tweeted about this and some people in my mentions were saying, yeah, against Marine, he's found his level. And I'm like, well, you know, judge him against all the other players that were playing against Marine for Tottenham. And he did way more than, than the other players. He was very creative, I thought. I thought I thought he was kind of leading the charge, as it were, in, in this match. Um, what did you think of Delhi's performance, Bardi? Yeah, I thought he was fine. I, I mean, there is, it was Marine, but he, he seemed pretty professional. He... He did what he had to do, and he he, play, he played well. Um, I don't. I, I, even them packing defenses, it was just empty bodies just standing in in areas, not doing anything. 
Yeah, they, they you can't take a lot out of our performance because of how bad they were, but you can take um, you can take some things about application and the way they moved and the way they did things and how our players were playing. So yeah, there's there's some positives to take there for sure. But Delhi, Delhi, it was like a Formula One car against a milk float. Delhi was just too good, too fast, too quick, too everything. I mean, it, it could have been me and you out there against Delhi. That, that's that's the levels of um, the difference between Delhi and those guys. But he he applied himself wonderfully, and I thought thought he played nicely. Nathan, he's just desperate to say farmers, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying that word anymore. I'm I'm I put that out aside. Someone told me it wasn't good. It was discriminatory, and perhaps even a little bit racist. So I don't use it anymore. I, I just got to call. I'm just got to call it milk floats from now on. Interesting. <laughs> uh, Nathan, could you take anything of interest tactically from this game? Uh, there is definitely a small part of me that wanted us to like surrender the ball and make Marina Dogas <laughs> just for like the the hilarity of the if, situation. If you'd done that, I would have tweeted um, Jose Marine EO. <laughs> oh, oh, very good. <laughs> Sorry, I rudely interrupted. You were saying no, 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 no. You you've killed the joke now, Chris, with that line. Come on. So I, I mean, it was quite useful to see us have what was it, seventy plus percent possession, and sure. have to have to create and do things. And you know, Bardi's right. Poor opposition, but we we created stuff, and it was it was absolutely fine. We moved the ball really quickly in midfield. Harvey White was very good at doing that. You mm. know, gets on it, doesn't take more than one or two touches, just moves the ball quickly often forwards right that was that was working pretty well i thought um and i thought roden moved the ball really well from the center back i was very impressed with his distribution and uh, anticipation I, I liked his performance quite a bit yeah again it, it's the same qualifiers of the level of opposition he's playing against and how high they defended and everything else but like um yeah i'm i'm, I'm just glad to see him get on the pitch um and uh, I'm hoping that you get some more, some more cup. Well, probably not going to be the League Cup final, so I'm hoping you get some more FA Cup games. Uh, you know, full nineties. I think one Tottenham player did find his level in that match. I think that's Joe Hart. What was he doing with that strike, allowing it just to go over his head? I don't. I honestly think you could have put their goalkeeper in goal for us and put Joe Hart there. He wouldn't have performed any better than that. That poor chap with his, with the bad haircut. You know. It's he, he's not a good goalkeeper, and if something happens to Hugo, then I'm I have genuine fears about everything. God, yeah, yeah, that would not be good. That would really not be good. Uh, that that one, he, you know, the one that hit the bar that you're referring to there, he mm. he left that. I mean, that was <laughs> if it was an inch lower, it would probably have hit the underside of the bar and gone in. Maybe he just has a, a perfect awareness of where the crossbar is, Chris. Have you considered that? I have he, considered that. And that's like, it's bullshit. <laughs> he reminded me of um, of Paluka at the '94 World Cup, where where Houghton hit the hit like a hail mary strike, and he just kind of waved it. He let it go. He had no idea where he was in that goal area. He thought he was much closer to his line, and he wasn't. It was, it was just bad, 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 bad. Indeed. indeed. I know that there are quite a few people on Spurs Twitter who are desperate for me to say I wanted us to concede. But <laughs> I certainly wouldn't have minded watching Joe Hart concede to uh, you know, a plumber's apprentice mm. on this particular occasion. Yeah. Given that, the win was always in the bag from before kickoff. So Bardi's already mentioned Alfie Devine. Uh, we had a couple of questions about Alfie Devine. Firstly, Reese Jenkins says, what stage of life were you at when Alfie Devine was born. I was starting primary school and that freaks me out. And I think 
I mean, I'm taking this as a as a personal. I'm taking this as a subtweet from Reese because I tweeted last night that I was about to start my final year at university when Alfie Divine was born, which is very depressing. It makes me feel incredibly old. And Reese is essentially saying, "Ha ha, you're old." So thanks a bunch for that, Reese. Uh, Nathan, <laughs> what stage of life were you at when Alfie Divine was yeah, born? Yeah, I'm just doing the maths now. So I think I would have been 12. So yeah, was is that senior school? Is that earliest senior school? I think it might be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Year, year, year seven. Year seven. Okay. Oh Maybe yeah. Year eight. Yeah, year, se- year seven was a was an eye opening year of my life. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, interesting. I just imagine I imagine you getting pushed into the lockers a lot. Uh, essentially, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, there had there hadn't been that much there hadn't been that sort of uh, aspect of life up until that point and then i arrived at the sort of pretty dodgy senior school uh, nearby where i was and was exposed to uh, the world of locker pushing culture uh, which is something that you know i managed to turn around after a couple of years but but yeah year 7 was a uh, year 7 again was was pretty eye opening for me and Bardi, you'd have been in the world of work by that point. No, no, I was still slugging my way through a for a law degree, which never I never used once in my life, other than just to to bring it out to shock people that before I came this all knowing football podcaster about Spurs, I, I was I had a slight plan to be a lawyer. Imagine you as a lawyer. Oh my, God. <laughs> my cousin Vinny, I had a girlfriend at the time, and her family used to refer to me as my cousin Vinny. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm not Incredible. sure that it wasn't racist because they were part Italian as well. But yeah, you would 100% have been Saul Goodman. <laughs> totally. That's the kind of lawyer you'd have been. Proper bent lawyer. Yeah, I wouldn't have. I would have got dumped. I would have got banned from the bar after like six months of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, but, and Stay yeah. Beautiful B says also, what do you own that's older than Alfie Divine? I'm pretty sure a few of my appliances are. So I actually did think of something. I have a belt. A belt that is still in tip-top condition that is older than Alfie Divine. Do either of you own anything older than him? I'm trying to think. Well, I, I have things that are older than him, but I haven't owned for, you know, 16 years. I've got a guitar from 1984. Um, I've definitely got, like, some of my cupboards have, like, been in my family's possession for, like, you know, 40 years or whatever. Um, but I can't think of anything that I personally have that old, that I've had for that long. I wouldn't rule it out. I wouldn't rule it out. I might have like some ancient coat kicking about still, but other than that, I don't think so. Um, I have a I have a Tottenham mug, which is older than Alfie Divine. I'm currently in my dad's house because my house, the house I was going to buy, disappeared, and I'm I'm sat on a stool which is older than Alfie Divine, and it's so old, in fact, that the cushion has gone. So I, I'm pretty sure it's going to give me hemorrhoids at some point. It, it's 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 so hard and so uncomfortable. So yeah, there's quite a few in this house. There's quite a few things older than Alfie Divine. There's probably things older than Alfie Divine's parents in in this bedroom. <laughs> uh, Wendy, can you tell us a little bit about Alfie Divine? Because um, I haven't been watching much. You know, what is he under 18s? Is that a thing? Under 17s? Is that a thing? Help me out. He's he's under 18. So I don't know a great deal about him because we signed him from Wigan. So he's um he's not a, a Spurs developed under 18 player he's come from Wigan where he had an excellent reputation um Wigan have got quite a few good youth players or well fancied youth players um he has represented England at England youth level um as far as I understand it he is seen as the best player for England at that level so he's like one of the best talents in the country at at his age group um I 
haven't obviously seen him play for our under-18s. We don't televise those matches. But from what I've been told from people who would know, he is exceptionally highly fancied, uh, including by Jose Mourinho, who, who thinks that there's something special there. So people might know that in the under-23 match against Chelsea recently, Danny Drinkwater was playing and Alfie Devine two-footed him <laughs> and got sent off for it. But in the melee that followed, um, Drinkwater went for him and essentially tried to hit him. Uh, and they had a bit of a tete-a-tete. And from what I'm told, Mourinho really liked what he saw from <laughs> Devine standing up to drink water. Hell yeah. This is a thing, isn't it? I remember Lana a couple of years ago, absolutely. Mm. like Was he like trying to scratch uh, a Spurs youth player's face or something weird? He went crazy. I think it's like... Went, went for his neck, if I recall correctly. Went for correctly. his neck, yeah. I, I, I guess it's like senior players, like, how dare you like exactly. play violently exactly. with my career, etc. But it's just like... Why react in that way, like trying to beat up a kid or whatever? It's um, yeah, <laughs> exactly. But yeah, fair yeah, play, so fair play to Alfie for you know for handling himself and standing up to him and all that. I, I do respect that. Yeah, yeah. So it's sixteen, and he's a young sixteen as well. You know, he's born in um, August, so you know, back end of the age group. So he's basically, you know, if he if he'd been born a month later, he'd be in the age group below. So he's a very very young sixteen year old. Um, we signed him for three hundred thousand pounds, so you know, no small fee. There's, there's major potential there. He can play essentially any of the central midfield roles. I see him probably ending up as a, a ten or maybe an eight. Uh, he, but he loves a tackle. You know, he really does love a tackle. He's northern, isn't he? He's tough, tough northern lad. So his dad. This is one of the other things I've learned about him recently because someone on Twitter contacted me to say that they know the family, and his dad was a rugby player. Uh, and you can see Devine's quite for his, for his age he's quite a thick set lad I mean he's got some developing to, to do but he's quite broad I don't think he's going to get a, a great deal taller but he's um, pretty broad and I think he'll be quite stocky um, stocky kind of muscular player in the future but there's a lot to be excited about I, I thought he looked really 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 good when he came on very high pass completion lots of passes in the final third uh, a, a really good goal you know took that shot exceptionally well and then Dion Dublin in commentary said look at his little face <laughs> he did say that <laughs> Dion was kind of weird all day just just yeah. every time a, um, a marine player successfully breathed in and out again Dion got very <laughs> very excited didn't he uh, he what, did what do you see do you think Devine will do anything other than stay in the youth team system for the next couple of years? Do you see him like getting more sites of senior football or alone or anything like that? Or is that too early for that kind of talk? It's a good question. So I think alone is probably a year too early. Maybe next okay. year he could go out on loan. Um, so there's a theory that playing both above and below your talent level when you're a young player is oh, good sure. because essentially you get to build confidence by playing in the under 18s even if you're far too good for the under 18s and you challenge yourself by playing in the under 23s because that's the level probably that's closer to your to your skill set at the time and so I think Divine will probably yo-yo between the two uh, but I mean certainly both Divine and Scarlett have outgrown under 18s already which is Quite extraordinary to sixteen-year-olds, to be honest. That's it's, that's not that's not the norm. Um, we have had players promoted early to the twenty-threes. Winks was, Onima was, um, so and Bostock, who, who we signed as a as a fifteen-year-old for Crystal Palace. This is not completely unusual or beyond the realms of possibility. But these are special players. D- Divine, in particular, is a special player. Definitely one to keep an eye on. 
Um, Ali Tweedale, who is an excellent follow, who I recommend on Twitter. Ali says, can we have some optimism about Mourinho's comments on Delhi? Then if he's back in Mourinho's plans, where will he fit in? Will it just be to replace Ndombele on 70 minutes whilst the Celso is out? Um, interestingly, Nathan, he sort of played two different roles yesterday. Did he? Mm, well, he started a lot higher uh, in the four-two-three-one, and then essentially moved back into a four-three-three. No. Ah, oh, okay. I thought he was just dropping deep as, as the number ten. It was it was pretty hard to get an eye for like our shape and our <laughs> formation and everything else going on with uh, with the camera angle, which obviously I forgive them for. Like they don't have a camera tower or a stand to put a camera in. I'm just saying that's the situation. So I I didn't notice that he'd. I mean, obviously I saw that he was. You know covering a lot of ground and picking up the ball and doing all that kind of stuff. But I didn't realise that he'd, he'd sort of switched roles around. Uh, can we have some optimism? Yes, we can. Yeah. I think there's, there's, um, he might be not just this game particularly, but over the last few games, uh, even with sort of the flick, <laughs> the, 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 the back heel, um, you know, something of a bit of a turn of the corner. Um, and some positive comments about him starting, uh, next Wednesday, whoever that might be or might not be against or whatever. The the thing with this is that like even if like um even if everyone's happy, even if there is uh no agendas at play, um even if there's no interesting offers from PSG or whatever else, he's still as we looked at when we did our squad analysis video, he's still probably just seen as the third choice number ten. And yeah, even if he's back in favour, uh, I think that Delhi is a brilliant player. I think Delhi is a player who should be in and around the first eleven of the best teams in the world. I also think that is true of Ndombele and Lo Celso, who are both considered by Mourinho to be number 10s. Now, I would play both of those, maybe not at the same time, but both of them independently in deeper roles and bring Delhi in. But that is simply not the situation at Spurs right now so although I do think things are getting better for Delhi and I'm excited to see him at least be on the bench at least come off the bench at least get involved in you know positive results at the end of games it's still a hard way back into the level it, like because like again even if things are better he's still a player who is deserving of first 11 football and if he's not getting that here simply because he's behind Ndombele and maybe only on par with Lo Celso um he probably for himself ought to be looking away from this club which is still a shame but um but put that aside for the time being i agree with ali and, and just say hey this is nice this is good i like that he is you know man of the match nearly every time he plays even if he doesn't play much and when he does play he's playing against eight tier opposition i'm happy are you happy i'm happy well i mean i'd go even a step further um I mean, you've pointed out that Mourinho only sees him as a number 10. I mean, I would say that players don't have positions, Nathan. Oh, okay. And uh, <laughs> so I, I would say, actually, that I think I think part of the problem is that Mourinho believes that Delhi does all of his best work in the opposition's half. Yeah. Probably lots of it running onto balls over the top. And the way that we play means that simply there are two players in the team that that applies to, or, or three players in the team that that applies to. And they are Harry Kane and, and Son Heung-min and maybe Bergwijn and occasionally Ndombele. Otherwise, the rest of the team is kind of behind the ball. And so there's just not... Spe- so even if he's competing with Ndombele and the Celso, he, he's not really competing with him. He's actually competing with Kane and Son, mm. if, if that makes sense, which makes yeah. it even harder for him to to get into the into the starting eleven. So um, maybe, there's, maybe there's a case that Mourinho would start Delhi in games where he expects to have more of the ball in the opposition's half. Those games will probably be few and far between. Um, and, and therefore, 
are we wasting a valuable asset by keeping him when he's not going to play very often? That's 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 my interpretation of Mourinho's thinking. Um, if I'm assuming there's just no vendetta, I, I still think there might be a bit of vendetta. To be honest, at least but... his stock is up. At least if we're looking to sell, yeah. we're going to get a return on mm. investment there. At Maybe a bit. That. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, we'll definitely get a return on investment because the investment was such a bargain. Pennies, but we, we shouldn't. Yeah. yeah, we're not going to get the return that we once hoped for. And Bardi, are you feeling any positivity, any uh, optimism with Delhi? Um, I think Nathan summed up pretty well. Um, the only option, the only road at, back into the club, into the starting eleven, perhaps, is in place of Bergwijn. But he just doesn't. I think for Mourinho, he just doesn't run up and down and defend, perhaps. Or Mourinho doesn't think he defends as well as Bergwijn does or Lucas does in that role. But um, I would like to see, I'd like to see the Kane, Son and Delhi front three happen at some point again. Oh, yeah. Yeah, me too, man. I would love to see that. Just one one last time. Um, but yeah, I mean, Bergwijn doesn't do back heels on halfway or rainbow flicks on the touchline. So that's that's the logic, I guess. Um we have two questions. Can I which, take them? Uh, I'd like to. Yeah, ask them you if can. That's right. and, yeah. and it's 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 thoroughly deserved. Just get me. <laughs> so Spurs shout at Spurs <laughs> shout on Twitter. He says, "We had Harvey White on the pitch, who was the best free kick taker at the club, as per Windy. Yeah, Lucas scored from a free kick. Explain." And Ollie at Oliver's page on Twitter says. Briefly ignoring his excellent performance, how does Wendy feel having hyped up Harvey White's free kicks <laughs> a week, only for him to shank all of them? Hmm, curious, curious. I, I deserve this. I absolutely deserve this. <laughs> um, what I will say is, um, stick with it. Yeah. His free kicks are really good, both when he's crossing and when he's shooting. His corners have led to him uh, assisting, I think, five goals in the last month in the Premier League 2, which led to him being nominated for Player of the Month in Premier League 2. He's very good at set pieces. Um, Lucas's set piece was was just fine. It was just fine. The goalkeeper, if he'd been better, would have saved it. But it was he did enough to score a set piece, and it was a, it was a nice free kick. Um, and yes, Harvey White hit the wall with the the first one, which led to Lucas taking second. So in some ways, Harvey no. White should take the assist no. for that. No. <laughs> <laughs> if he hadn't hit the wall, then Lucas would have taken yeah. the second oh, free kick. <laughs> I'd never want to defend Windy. Well, not all the time, but you know, the the best Sinisa Mihailovic didn't score every single free kick. You know, it doesn't it doesn't mean just because he's good at free kicks, he's going to step on the on the pitch and just whip them all into the top corner. But um, yeah. You, what, did you, you, what did you make of Bale's knuckleball free kick? I thought Bale had saw what Lucas did and just tried to hit the target, and um, their goalkeeper nearly Harry Kane did into the back of the net. So <laughs> he yeah. did. All you've got to do, pretty much, from there is just hit the target, and the goalkeeper would pull let it in. And somehow he, he, he it was almost harder to do what he did than <laughs> save than save it. It was bad, bad, bad. Shuffled, shuffled it out for a corner somehow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was um, this, there was a, a short you know, hockey. This thing in hockey always sticks in my head. There was this guy called Callum Hayes or something like that, and he was a short corner expert. And the England hockey team would bring him on just for a short corner, and he'd always whip it into the top corner. But it's very different. It's it's, it's very hard, you know. It's very there's special free kick specialists, and even those guys don't score every time. It's it's very difficult to score a free kick, and I think sometimes we criticise um, footballers. For being bad at free kicks, apart from Harry Kane, who deserves everything, <laughs> everybody else they give it a go, and it, it, it's not it's it's a high it's, it's a very low percentage chance. I think very very you're yeah. right of course you stats yeah. back that up. 
Yeah, Janino missed hundreds of free kicks. Uh, who are the best now? Kalanagel misses. Ward Prowse. No, Ward Prowse doesn't miss, actually. That's right. No, of course he does. He misses all the time. He scores some brilliant ones, you know, mm-hmm. much more regularly than 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 other, you know, than Harry Kane from free kicks. But he misses and he puts dozens into the wall when he puts dozens over the crossbar because that is the nature of, of the of the uh, the opportunity, of course. Harvey White is very much like James Ward Prowse in more than just free kicks. He's a, a very similar player. I see them. Uh, I see him having a, a similar career. I see him playing a similar level, which is kind of maybe England squad, maybe not quite. And I see him playing a similar role in the team, which is can sort of do everything in midfield and do it all quite well. I really like White. I, I like the way he moves the ball quickly. I like his left foot. I like his attitude, his tenacity. There's a there's a definite future Spurs squad player there uh, and, and probably a first teamer at some point. I had a very interesting uh, discussion recently on English midfielders who can do a bit of everything on a podcast called Straight Off the Training Ground. Good, good work, Nathan. Yes, um, <laughs> we, we should mention our our Patreon because we got some sign-ups off the back of talking about it last week, so it works. Um, and in fact, Patreon sort of sends you emails as a creator every now and again saying, talk about your Patreon, you'll find you'll get lots of sign-ups. It's like, oh God, yeah, they're actually right. Annoyingly, they're right. Um uh, we did a Sessignon video yep. last week. Uh, I really enjoyed seeing how Sessignon's getting along. That was It was very, very much an eye-opener for me because I hadn't seen him at all other than the clips that do rounds on, on Twitter. And I was pleasantly surprised. He's, he's doing fine. Yeah, he's doing really well. He's doing really well. We picked out a weakness. Um, it's not a t- it's not an incredibly surprising one. There's stuff for him to work on there, but there is a lot of really positive stuff. And I think that you know, I mean, I, I've long been saying he should be in contention for minutes at Spurs, but I'm I'm very confident now that he will be in contention for minutes at Spurs next season. Uh, mm-hmm. I have Harry B in the diary, mm-hmm. ready to do Sabitzer this week. So looking Ooh. forward to doing that. Nice, nice. Yes, I will look forward very much to watching you and Harry Brooks analyze Marcel Sabitzer. He watches uh, a lot of football, Harry B. I, when I was on a total different type, when I was across the other side of the world and actually living life on Nathan's um, Nathan's like <laughs> clock, Harry B was watching Brazil games at like one o'clock in the morning UK time. It's just Believe like Dodoris, my what, friend. Yeah, what's he doing? Like, why is he? He should be sleeping so he can coach kids better, no? Rather than being awake all the time. I think <laughs> he's. Uh, I think he's. He's kind of struggling a little bit with lockdown, meaning that he's not working. Uh, you know, mm. not got the kids on the training pitch, so he's watching one AM <laughs> Libertadores matches instead because he's he's uh, yeah. you know, he's switched on. Like most coaches, he has a hard time switching off. I think. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection. Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Shall we talk about the Brentford game? It feels like a million years ago already somehow, but um, oh. I mean, we're into a cup final. Yeah, yeah, we are. And the thing with it feeling like it was so, so long ago is that I didn't realise when the final was. So I was feeling pretty good after this game. I was pretty, pretty hyped up like, yeah. Yeah, we're in, we're in a final. We're in a final. Yeah, we're gonna be we're gonna be playing against one of the Manchester clubs uh, in a final. We're in line. We can do it. We we've beaten both of these clubs within the last calendar year handedly. This season, we've beaten both of them. Really g'd up. We're in a final. When is it? Oh, <laughs> you know, it's like it's it just feels like it's in the distant, distant. Like it feels like it's years away right now. And I thought it was gonna be. I thought it was going to be within the next couple of months at least, but I was wrong on that. Plenty of time for all of our best players to get injured. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and just for things entirely to change at both clubs dramatically. It, just, it doesn't feel like that honours sort of the spirit of a cup competition, does it? I agree, I agree. But the scheduling is particularly difficult at the moment, isn't it? Uh, Brentford put up a, a pretty good fight, I thought. Good team. Um, they're a really good team. They're a very well-coached team. They've got some good players. Uh, they 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 had their first uh, interaction with VAR. Brentford mm-hmm. had never had um, a VAR decision before, so it was kind of a historic match from from that perspective. Uh, they had a goal ruled out when they were one 0 down, which was was rightly ruled out. Um, it was rightly ruled out because of a kneecap. Yeah. Um, they also had a player sent off post VAR recommendation for a review um it was a correct decision it was a, a, a definite red card feel bad for albeit him. an accidental yeah. foul um but i mean we, we we were fine in this game did you have any thoughts i saw a twitter thread actually that was um titled like the problems in Tottenham's build-up against Brentford. And I look over and I go, yep, all of that makes perfect sense. Yeah, I can see how that would be a problem. And also, like, we won handedly. We never looked. We were at much danger. And that's just kind of like, that's the Mourinho thing, I guess, isn't it? I don't know. Yeah, it was it was a good game. Um, we weren't great in possession. We weren't terrible in possession. We made it work when we needed to. Uh, I thought we were pretty really good defensively. Not really good. I thought we were good defensively. Um, we used more of a mid-block we pressed them high when we needed to. Uh, we didn't press their last man. We sort of invited them to keep the ball between their defenders and their goalkeeper for a lot of the match. And then when they got impatient, they tried to force it long and we won the ball in midfield and, and broke a few times from that. So I thought we defended really well. And when we did get pushed back, again, we were comfortable there. Um, yeah, again, Brentford are, are are not to be sort of laughed at as as, as lower league team. I, I suspect they will probably be in the Premier League next season. Um, they've got a really good setup. I did a podcast uh, with Bees Tactical as a as a preview, and I, I think it's still worth listening to to get an insight on a pretty interesting football club, Brentford, and their their recruitment uh, system. And uh, De Silva and Tony are really good players. Absolutely, I completely agree. Um, Sissoko scored a goal. Um, and it's a really, really good, really, really good header. I thought good run, and it was no notable jump. for me. No jump. He doesn't jump. We've we've, we've, we've noted that now. So simply doesn't leave the ground. That's not one of the things he does. 
Uh, he is he is at all times uh, attached to the pitch, gliding. <laughs> once he stepped onto it, um, <laughs> it, it was a really really good run, really good header, mm. and notable that he he'd already done that a couple of times. He'd already sort of made a burst forward a couple of times before that goal. That is a, that is a tweak that. Um, I wonder if it was just for Brentford to try and overload or if this is going to be a continuing theme now where Sissoko is <laughs> another body bursting into the box. Body's laughing. I guess that's no. No, come on. If I want any midfielder in the world rushing into the box to try and get on the end of a cross, it's not Musa, you know. It, but yeah, but saying that, he did score a banger last year where he came in at the back post with a flying kick. Volley, yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the strange thing about this semi-final is when, whenever Spurs make their way to a final, we've always gone through the ringer. Um, thinking yeah. back, like the last the last two League Cup finals we, we made it to, we the Sheffield United, it was an Ericsson last-minute goal that got us through after, after we went down 2-1, I think. Um, before that, it was Burnley when we were under Ramos, where we, we nearly messed it up. And um, obviously, the Champions League final, it was the Ajax game. So... I was expecting I was expecting something, but I guess I guess with with Jose you don't get that something either one way or the other. You get this, you get middle of the road defeat or middle of the road victories, which was surprising, but not too bad. I like my 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 my. I was watching it with my my wife's family, and they were very surprised at how just unemotional I was about it all and it was just because we scored early and then we sat back and we just waited had they scored that offside goal then perhaps I would have got a little bit emotional but other than that it was very just um four degrees on lukewarm lukewarm semi-final which was not bad not bad not good but we're in the final so great Sissoko got man of the match uh and and gave a very adorable speech when he was collecting the award uh, but for me Ndombele was um our star man I thought he was Really, 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 really good again. And he played the full 90 and he didn't seem to suffer any effects. Mm. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Just saying. Uh, question from J.R. Hartlepool. Should the Euros be cancelled? Yes. As COVID and Euros will impact on the 21-22 season, then the World Cup on 22-23 is the reality of the next time teams will get a proper preseason 23-24. Yeah, absolutely. The Euros should be cancelled. Uh, it's a terrible idea that that we're still planning for the Euros to go ahead. Um, many countries will not have the pandemic uh, under under wraps by that point, and it will it will potentially create another spike. Uh, plus, importantly, that the fact that the Euros hasn't been cancelled yet is creating pressure on the scheduling, mm-hmm. which means we can't currently take a break. So Premier League is pressing ahead when it would be safer to stop. So I, I believe with all my heart that the Euros regrettably should be cancelled. Any thoughts? <laughs> I, I, don't, I think that the league should be cancelled or at least put on pause. But, you know, I think it's insane that that like we're locking down. that You can't see your family over Christmas and all of that, which makes perfect sense. But also elite sport is in this, um, you know, is 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 separate from all of that. For no other reason, obviously, than the money it earns. People have heard of these arguments before. They don't need me to tell them how serious it is and how many people have died, etc. Everyone knows all of this already. Um, if the argument is that, well, it keeps people entertained at home, then it needs the broadcast needs to be fully nationalised and supported so people can watch it at home for free. Otherwise, it's it's mm-hmm. not doing mm-hmm. anything that it wasn't already doing. And um, the players need to be vaccinated. Yeah, all of yeah, of course, all of that. So. Um, the whole thing is absurd. The continuation of football under these circumstances is a second-rate product, um, and 
causing unnecessary harm. But again, I think everyone who's listened to this podcast for the past several episodes has heard this enough. So I will, I'll get off my soapbox for now. I mean, I'd like to see him try and um, inject Kuiper because I reckon he's definitely an anti-vaxxer. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say something like impervious to needles or you know but not, not no my man's my man's insane <laughs> foil hat exactly for sure that's so funny I, I really didn't expect you to say he's an anti-vaxxer um, you can't vaccinate a viking is that is that what this is yeah probably but uh, he's just he's just got that look he just doesn't believe it okay. he's, he's, he's tough he'll, 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 he'll you know he wants to go back on he's got blood gushing out of his leg most most men, even though how hard they pretend to be on Twitter, would be falling over the place, rolling around. But he was just, he wanted to go back on. And he even kind of chest bumped uh, Mourinho. I think <laughs> it, was, um, it was an awkward moment. I, I thought Choiberg was going to go through him. It looked really sore, didn't it? That injury that he sustained. Yeah. The challenge with De Silva. It looked really nasty. Uh, interestingly, Choiberg, the, the, the off-pitch persona, when you hear him interviewed, it couldn't be more different to how he is on the pitch. He's so sort of quietly spoken and and sensible and uh considered and sensitive uh, and then you see this player on the pitch who's like literally celebrating making a slide tackle <laughs> literally celebrating making a clearance it's um it's a it's a very stark contrast he he's a huge fan favorite already isn't he Yobia? he's he's so popular uh, and, and I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that about him. Uh, we had a question from Josh, one of the ex-subs in Discord. Josh is asking after the whereabouts of Dennis Serkin, which is a very good question. Serkin definitely had an injury earlier on in the season. I've not seen any updates on um, on his health, um, nor have I seen pictures of him in first-team training. So I'm also keeping a, a keen eye on where he is. I did see a report. Gosh, I forget where it was from, but I think I want to say it was... Um, I saw it in a Hotspur-related tweet. I mean, Hotspur-related is just incredible. It covers absolutely every news source, so it's, it could have been from anywhere. Uh, but the, the report suggested that Sirkin is one player would be willing to loan out this January. Makes sense. I am fully behind that move. I think that would be fantastic for his career and progression, and I'd like to see how he gets on. I'd like to see him in League One so he plays every week, but I'm sure he could do a job in the Championship too. Uh, Bansi Castle says how much impact do you think it has on the players the uncertainty around fixtures and postponements this week we could be playing Villa Fulham or nobody so we are playing Fulham it was meant to be Villa Uh, Nathan what's your sort of thoughts on this once again late rearrangement it's it's terrible man I mean it's kind of what I was saying earlier is that the whole thing is very silly the whole thing is uh, dramatically um, decreased in quality by this Uh, but for us specifically it's like yeah uh, if if you're uh, your Man City or your Liverpool, you kind of play the same way most weeks. But if you're Jose Mourinho, everything is about tailoring to your position. Tell it saying, okay, this team we need to engage at this point. This team we need to engage at this point. This team are weak in these areas. I need this player on this side of the pitch. If your opponent is is changing, who you're going to play in two days' time, that just throws everything off. Aside from that, and this is everybody, it completely messes up your periodization as well because you, you and you, you, everything. It's just it's just such a mess. It's absolute chaos. Yes, it's it's hugely it's hugely affecting. That was the point I was going to make in relation to Fulham because they didn't even have a fixture midweek and suddenly they have got one and that's meant that their next fixture is pushed back by a day to compensate. So you're absolutely, it doesn't just mess up their periodization for this game, but their subsequent game and probably the games after that as well. So I can see why uh, why Fulham in particular would be unhappy about this. 
Um, Bardi, this is this is a mess, isn't it? The, the way that they're handling this. Yeah, I I just don't know, Windy. I just don't know what to do with my fantasy football team. Just, <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know. It's just, I can't get it out of my mind. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know whether to take the four point hit or what. Yeah, but in, no, in, in, in real life, of course, it's complicated. Um, we never really got to see in all or nothing how much um, tactical work goes into into the pre-game work. But yeah, of course, it's it's you can't just. It's not like Fulham play very differently to Aston Villa, and we would have been mm-hmm. thinking and preparing about playing Aston Villa, Watkins, Grealish, etc. Now we have got to worry about a team playing low block counter attack. So it's a. Uh, yeah, it's it's not good. It's not good, but it, I am grateful at least we're going to clear one of our games. We, we are getting a game in because had we not have played a game this week, then our fixture list gets worse and worse. So it's good that we have got a game, but not great that it's this, this late. I think the Premier League have backed themselves into a corner with the way they've handled the postponements so far. They've set a precedent now. They, they really... Um, they need to write something down. They need to write mm. some protocols and have some agreement from the clubs before they. Uh, was it the? Man, I think it was Man City was the first game they cancelled. The first game they postponed, rather. Uh, I forget who they were due to be playing, but that was the that was the one that set the precedent. And now there's a situation where they're taking each potential postponement on its merits, which seems like a very dangerous way forward. Particularly as these things will stack up over time as infection rates increase. And uh, the real life seeps into the real world, seeps into football. Uh, Ribble from the Discord says, Would you rather have Kyle Walker Peters or Pierre mm-hmm. Emil Huybier in our squad? It's a, it's a really uh, it's a, it's a pertinent question because they're both having really good seasons. And I mean, it wasn't a swap deal, but it was a swap deal. It was. Uh, <laughs> we, we need a defensive midfielder more, right? I mean, that's that was the absolute crucial position to, to fill. Yeah. I mean, I, mm-hmm. at the time, People said, "Hey, are we getting the better deal here?" Like, and I, I said, "It's at least close." And where I was wrong on that is that I underrated Hoybier. I, I, I misjudged his ability to step up to this Champions League level of performance. Not that we're in the Champions League, you know what I'm saying? Um, but I stand by my assessment of Kyle Peters as being, you know, similarly a very good Premier League player. Uh, obviously, my answer is both we we need we need a better right back than the two that we've got to be honest to to, to be sort of severe about it and we definitely need Hoybier. so okay if I have to pick one it's going to be Hoybier, but I I definitely think that um maybe outright buying Hoybier might have been the better call there at the same time you know Walker Peters had been there for ages and his development continually stored and everything else um and how he isn't and isn't a fit for the way Mourinho plays football okay so on but uh, I don't know, man. He's a, he's a really good right back, and uh, we messed up that asset for you know four years. Outside pick for the Euros squad, I reckon. Should it go ahead, Kyle Walker Peters? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> We've got a lot of talent at right back in England now. A huge amount of talent. And also, um, Kyle Walker plays centre back under Southgate and Kieran Trivia is the first choice right back for some reason he's top of the pile ahead of you know James and and uh, Alexander Arnold so uh, I think that Walker Peters is is on a more general level an England squad level player or at least getting towards that point uh, but the makeup of England's right back situation mm. probably not uh, if he wants to come in and play left back it's a different situation maybe 
Uh, Alec Depkrinsky asked about Christian Eriksen since he's been linked with a return mm. this week. Um, Alec makes a number of, of points. He talks about what position Eriksen would play if he were brought back. Would it be number 10? Would it be number 8? And he also says, is he worth bringing back? And Buddy, have you seen any of him since he since he left? And would you take a, a risk on re-signing him? No, I wouldn't sign him. It's done. He's um he's a ghost of the player. He he was ghost like when he was at Spurs just before he left, and he's been pretty bad. Apart from he had a little initial burst of of form when he first joined, and it looked like he might do something alongside uh, Lukaku Martinez. But no, since then he's um he's just. Just, he's just not. He's not the. He's not the human being he once was. He doesn't even move like he once was. I, I don't want him back. I, I, I never agree with going back unless it's Gareth Bale. But um, <laughs> and even that, even that hasn't kind of worked really, has it? So, no, we should move on from Christian Eriksen. The problem with Spurs is Spurs fans in general is we we get so nostalgic and feel so close to our players that when they leave, we're always like they can come back. Berbatov, oh, they can come back. Klingsman, he comes back. Modric, they're still wanting Modric to come back now no 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 they move on for a reason let's um let's and Ericsson did was a fantastic servant let's move on from this Nathan in terms of the mm. position I mean if we're saying that he won't play but Mourinho won't play Ndombele as an eight so won't play Lascelles as an eight that surely there's even less chance of him playing Christian Ericsson as an eight I agree I agree did he did he play he did play some eight for us under Mourinho before he left Mm. Um, he came off Eric Dyer as when, a when we were sub. chasing yeah when we were chasing games yeah. I think he came on in midfield he also played lots on the right came uh, on against Brighton Positino. to play number 8 as well I think um, but I think you're right that the way that we're setting up now are two attacking to attack minded fullbacks means that he wants you know a Sissoko type player is the number 8 alongside Hoibier so for squad reasons yeah uh, we talked about like Delhi being third choice at number 10. Ericsson only sort of makes that more complicated. Yes, Ericsson is more likely to play wide than, than Delhi, um, but it's 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 continuing to put stock in the one area of the pitch and the attacking midfield area of the pitch, which is where we are overstocked already. And as Bardi is right to point out, Ericsson has had a pretty miserable calendar year, essentially. Um, he yeah he he wanted to leave here. He played at least to some extent. I think it was dramatically overplayed the extent, but to some extent, like he didn't want to be here anymore. He's had a horrible time at Inter, not fitting in there, not being in, Can- in Conte's plans. That's poor planning by Inter buying a very good player who the manager doesn't want. With all of that said, he's one of the best players in the world, and I really mean that. So yeah, uh, we've got to talk about wages. We've got to talk about fee. But like, yeah, I would bring Ericsson in and get rid of Lucas and Lamella and whoever else because Ericsson is so, so good. And if we're continually strongly linked with him, I'm going to make a video on him just because just I want to. You already know what he's like, but I'm going to do uh, my Christian Ericsson hype piece. He's so good. He's so good. Oh my goodness, what a player. He's so good. There was um there was a moment in the in because Inter we, as we found out many times to our benefit they they do like to choke in the Champions League but there was a moment with twenty seconds left they had a corner everybody <laughs> rushed up Ericsson picked up the ball and I was just like ah well it was unlucky Inter and you could see they were they were hoping and he did he did he did the most Ericsson thing you could do and smacked yeah. it off the off the um, near post I'm editing this bit out. <laughs> But no, Nathan does make a good point that obviously 
if we could get rid of Lamella and Lucas and then put in Ericsson, that obviously improves the squad, of course. But uh, with Lucas and Lamella, I don't think anybody's going to buy them. They're going to stay until their contract runs out. Who, who in their right mind is going to sign Lamella? I don't. Nobody. Well, this this is the thing, isn't it? The, the squad now it does have quite a lot of of natural waste in it. it we can't a, sell a, anybody. It's tough that we we were only really using a, a fraction of the squad in the majority of matches. So there's lots of players who just aren't really getting any game time. I'd include Tanganga in that. You know, Tang, there's a there's a, there's an argument that Tanganga should be heading out on loan. Um, you know, and he's a player that that we see as a as a future starting centre back. So this is the extent to which we're using quite a narrow group of players. Um, and so you can't bring you can't bring Ericsson in um, unless you unless you make space for him essentially. It's gonna yeah. be tough. It's gonna be tough to sell players in January. I think we got a we got a garage full of boxes, and in those boxes are uh, Danny Rose, Davinson Sanchez, Tanganga, Lamella, all these guys. We, you forget just how much stuff we've acquired over the years. Indeed, indeed. Um, so, a question from Michael Sinnott around Matt Doherty, and I think Michael makes the point quite perceptively. I'm not sure if this is a point we made or not, but it's certainly something we've spoken about off air uh, around Doherty signing at the time we were playing the asymmetrical formation with the mm. right back advanced the left back less so um uh, so so basically at the time of him signing he was a much better suited signing than he appears now we're not playing that sort of asymmetric formation does that make sense nathan yeah yeah this point was made is this the same this is the comment from reddit someone made this point on reddit and i thought that was a really um really yeah no this is someone else or maybe they've stolen the point or it's the same person on a different account on a different platform but yeah anyway yes this point has been made to me and i think it's a really important point i hadn't really considered it before the sort of the chronology of the situation i I think i was sort of unconsciously thinking more of tottenham's um system (laughs) than is worthy and i'm thinking that they've planned out the summer and then bought the targets accordingly but no maybe what's happened is that we've bought doherty to play a specific attacking right back role in a lopsided formation and then gone oh Regulon's available okay we're gonna play two defensive midfielders and and so on so yes I think that's a very good and important point and maybe if if we were still playing Ben Davies as our first choice left back with Sirkin as the backup and Doherty was switching with Aurea in a very attacking almost wing back role then we'd see more of him you know heading it in at the far post and, and doing what he does best and getting away from our own box maybe so yeah, I think it's I think it's a good point, and it's not something I'd really considered before. Gary Sharp says, "What is it with the broadcasters zooming in on the binder of set plays? I've seen it twice now. If that happened in American football, it would be a huge scandal." That being said, it seems like Spurs could make some attempt at discretion instead of flopping open on the pitch. <laughs> yeah, um, Nathan, you you in fact tweeted about the set piece playbook being um, pictured on screen. Yeah. Yeah, well, I I got my screenshots just in case there was anything interesting. Uh, yeah, I, the thing, first of all, yes, that broadcaster did pick them up on this occasion. But I've also seen a number of times where we where we've seen it seems quite deliberately to me the other side of the folder where we've been shown an angle where you don't see what's in the book. I think deliberately. So I feel like there's been broadly a deliberate uh, non-showing. And then there's this exception where maybe we've got a different broadcaster or a different director, a different stadium. I'm trying to think where and when these different things happened. But yeah, that was interesting. And then finally we get a direct shot on the folder and it's the most basic, 
here are the players that you man mark in the box. <laughs> yeah. Here are the players that you man mark outside of the box. And here tall are the man two. A, man marks, tall man Z. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then here are your two zonal players, all of which is something that I've tweeted dozens of times and anyone could pick out. So it's not exactly the most, <laughs> you know, revealing um, documentation. Sure, it's it's a little different in in the NFL, right? Because set plays are much more complex and secretive, and you have code words which mean mm-hmm. something to the players. So it's 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 slightly um, slightly different situation, I would say. Um, but ours I mean, could that, be that complicated. We yeah, could have, true, true. we could like <laughs> there are clubs in the world who will have instructions on the sideline that are that complicated, that do have that much detail, that would be worth keeping secrets, that you would be annoyed at broadcasters for showing, but our defence... If they showed us, if they showed our attacking set plays on the sideline, that might be something to be a little concerned about. But our defensive set plays are, you guys man-marking in the box, you guys man-mark outside of the box, and you two play zonal, and that is visible at every single corner and blatant every single time. So it's a bit funny to sort of be concerned about i think the biggest scandal is that they've got a ring binder with paper printouts of of the set pieces rather than just having like an app on an ipad but i i I feel like we were using the ipad and we've moved away from the ipad towards the folders is that to avoid multiple people touching the same screen how does paper do that better than an ipad i don't i don't (laughs) No, it surely can't be that paper like because you can't wipe down paper you can wipe down an ipad You, you bin it after every game I don't know. It doesn't. I, th- that, I, I just feel like I've seen a lot of iPads being thrown around on the side of our pitch for a while, and only now are we seeing the folder come out, and that's why we've got a shot of it. Mm. Yeah, maybe. Maybe there's something in that. Maybe they forgot the iPad. Maybe the iPad ran out of battery, and so they had to get the old. <laughs> they had to get the old ring binder out. Yeah, and uh, the one time they got it. the ring binder. Out. Yeah, exactly. That's his literally his one job for the week. <laughs> Useless prick. <laughs> You've been listening to The Extra Inch. Thanks to Nathan A. Clark for production. Thanks to Bardi for being Italian. Thanks to Adam Gardner for the artwork. Thanks to David Lindmer for our intro music. You can find him on Twitter at Davy Shambles and his SoundCloud, D Lindmer. Do check him out, he's great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us via podcast at theextrainch.co.uk and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review. That would really help. 